Welcome to Without the Hustle, the podcast that aims to equip you with everything you need to start and grow your business on the side without the hustle. I'm Emily Tyson. I'm a side business coach based in London. I have a background in marketing and I've had three side businesses while working full time. I'm a huge advocate for the anti-hustle approach to building a business because I personally know what it's like to have a chaotic, stressful full-time job while trying to build a business on the side and build a future for yourself. So let's jump into this week's episode. Today I'm joined by Maria, the founder of Be Conscious PR. Maria is an award-winning PR coach working with conscious entrepreneurs. We talked all about what PR is, the benefits, how you can get started with PR, and also anti-hustle in general. It's no surprise that both of us are projectors in human design, and we could talk about this topic forever. So I hope you enjoy today's episode, and if you do, let us know on Instagram. Feel free to send us both a DM or leave a review on this podcast. So let's jump into it. My name is Maria and I am a PR coach. Um, the PR the PR person in me should say, no, I should say I'm an award-winning PR coach, but I always feel so full of myself when I say it. But yes, award-winning PR coach and um, also a yoga teacher. And um, my yoga practice really influences my approach to PR. So my brand is called Be Conscious PR with that in mind. And I work with conscious entrepreneurs to get the recognition they deserve so they can make a bigger impact um, by helping them land press and allow themselves, themselves to be seen and step into thought leadership so they can really create positive change in the world. And I just feel so lucky that I get to do that. How would you describe a conscious entrepreneur? Mm, good question. Um, I think it kind of changes on the day, but I think the most, the most common thing that comes up is that it's someone who really cares about being in integrity and cares about making an impact and is self-aware. So a conscious entrepreneur is not solely profit driven. They really care about making a positive change in the world, contributing in some valuable way, and then building a business around that, that kind of the purpose and the meaning is built in, is baked into their business model. Um, and they won't really sell out um, and compromise on that. And, and alignment is another big piece that really, that really matters to conscious entrepreneurs. And I think in general, that's kind of the direction that the, the, at least the coaching industry is moving towards. And I think a lot of businesses are moving towards that as well because consumers want it. They want, they want to purchase from brands that align with their values. Yeah. And it's also, I guess, kind of redefining what success looks like, because when you think of building a business, often people think, well, it's about the money, you know, it's all for the money, but there's so much more to it than that. So I really love that definition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and if you're just chasing money, it's like, it's not that money is bad, like money is great. And I think yeah. also the more conscious entrepreneurs have wealth, that's also going to have a positive impact on the world. Um, so it's not saying that like wanting money is a bad thing, but I think it's just, it's not sustainable and it's not motivational enough. Like just saying like, oh, I just want to earn X amount of money by however means it's not motivational in the same way. And it's not really sustainable. You need to have that heart led mission to kind of keep you going when things are hard. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for clarifying that as well with the money because, yeah, I always think about that. Like, I want to make 
money so I can contribute in other ways that aren't just giving my time and you know um yeah exactly yeah can you tell us a little bit more about what PR actually is yeah great question as well (laughs) I think there's just also the industry is to blame for hiding this behind so many smoke and mirrors like it doesn't seem like a clear answer and it is because it is a very broad um a very broad, I guess, modality, but in the simplest terms and the way that I like to explain it to my clients is that PR stands for public relations, right? And it essentially is your relationship with the public. It's like you taking ownership of that relationship and how do you build a relationship? It's how you communicate and you communicate, you are clear about what you stand for, that's consistent, it's coherent, and you then begin to build trust and that's how you begin to build that relationship. And it kind of originated as word of mouth. That's kind of the original origins of of PR. And so PR is really a strategy for um, creating positive word of mouth, for building a positive brand reputation and essentially getting yourself seen. Um, So building visibility, building um, credibility. So it's really getting getting the word of of mouth out about your business um, and getting people to trust you. And most commonly, it's through the media, landing press, because that kind of helps you reach a whole new audience, you know, without spending any money, because it's free to land press. And then it gives you that instant credibility because you get this third, third-party stamp of approval. We it, PR focuses on the types of exposure that are free or earned. So as opposed to like an ad where you're like, hey, buy from me, I'm awesome. PR is more you being featured in a podcast like this or being featured in an article or speaking on a stage where there's this kind of like third party stamp of approval and you've been invited in for your expertise. And that's why it tends to also align really well with conscious entrepreneurs because you get to be recognized for having expertise and sharing value and being of service as opposed to just like selling. I know that you are really aligned with what I do and what I stand for without the hustle and you, you, you're no, you know, what am I trying to say now? You're not about the, (laughs) you're not about the, the hustly life. And I wondered because I actually started my career in PR, in fashion PR and my experience of working in agencies, especially PR agencies is very hustly and fast paced and, I wondered how you have created your business and your way of living in a, an anti-hustle way when you do do something that has that kind of stereotypical hustle feel. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of like smiled when you said fast-paced <laughs> environment because I'm like every single job description for PR is like willing to work in a fast-paced environment under pressure. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, I think to me, like what I feel like I've, well, how I like to, like, I've come to understand the PR industry and what I don't really vibe with, I guess, is how scarcity minded it is. Like it's such a lack mentality. I think hustle it's such, it's like an idea that there's not enough and you have to like push past your limitations to get the, the, you know, get the piece that you can get because there's only a limited amount. And I think a lot of agencies operate that way because there's, you know, clients and there's a lot of pressure to like produce and achieve and secure press. But I, in my own exploration of PR, doing it for myself, doing it for my freelance clients before I became a coach, 
I kind of found that adopting more of an abundance mindset, which, which to me is like the anti-hustle, like trusting that there's more than enough to go around. And if this journalist doesn't say yes to your pitch, there's like a million other journalists, you know, there are so many outlets, there are so many opportunities and the right ones will click in, like the right ones will be secured and kind of trusting in that, um, and trusting that slow progress and slow growth is still growth and tends to be more sustainable instead of it's like, I think PR can kind of sometimes seem like someone is an overnight success, but what they don't see behind the scenes of the strategy is like, well, when they do skyrocket that quickly, there is like a huge team behind them making that happen. But if you were to take the small steps on your own, you can really build that success and it just compounds over time, but it's just trusting that it's going to happen. Um, and it's going to build. And if you're kind of doing it in alignment with yourself, you're not hustling and overextending yourself. It's also going to feel good and you're going to be able to hold it, like hold the attention as it grows. Um, I don't even think that answered your question. I think coming back to your question, um, how I built that in is really that both when I do PR for myself, it's very much in a way that's aligned. I don't try to force it. You know, I only want to do it from, okay, I feel like I have this point of view to share. I, I take my time with it and really celebrate all the little actions that go along the way, because otherwise you can get discouraged really quickly. And with my clients as well, I really work on finding a way to make it realistic for them to implement. Because I think if I overwhelm them with like all the best practice and all the possibilities, they're like, I'm an entrepreneur. I have a million other things to do. It's like, it needs to be something that will, um, that's easy it's fun, is enjoyable and is sustainable. And so I work with them to find a way for it to be realistic. So it's building it into their routine, building it into their strategy. Um, and then the beauty of PR is that the press you land, the podcast you land, they have such a longevity, you know, they have a much longer lifetime than a social media post and it tends to be the similar amount of effort. So I've also like making people aware that that's a possibility that you can put this effort into creating value, creating content, sharing your voice, and it lives for longer as well. Yeah, I love that so much. And that totally answered the question though, like all of the context before, because I love the way you described it in like hustle culture is that scarcity mindset. And that really makes sense to me because when I think back to, yeah, like my agency time and my agency experience, a lot of the reason why it was very hustly is because of those that pressure and those deadlines. So the fact that you're saying, you know, just if something doesn't come, then it's not aligned and those aligned opportunities will, will flow. And when you're in alignment, then, you know, what's, what's for you basically won't, won't pass you. So I really love that, that way. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. And I feel like just to add to that, like when I was working in an agency and I was under that kind of pressure, like you need to, you know, you need to deliver the clients angry. You need to deliver. And I remember, I think there was one day I literally sent out maybe 200 pitches because I was oh like, fuck, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta deliver. And I was just like, ugh. I was like almost in this like robot mode of like, just, you know, following up on everyone on my, on my media list. Did anyone respond? No. So like that energy, I think there's an energy, like an energetic element that people don't acknowledge. And if you come from this desperate place of forcing, it doesn't work. <laughs> like it's almost like there, yeah, it just doesn't work. If you come from a place of like, this is so, this has so much value. I can really see it, you know, being a good fit for this publication. This journalist is the right person. I think they're really going to appreciate it. I'm helping them do their job. It feels good for you, 
And then if they don't respond, you're like, okay, maybe they're busy. I'm going to follow up. And then, you know, like you're going to trust that if, if they see the value, they will take it on. Yeah. How did you go from, yeah, from that working environment to then changing your mindset? Was there anything like a kind of realization or like breakthrough or anything that you were like, no, I just need to do this, do more of this or less of this? Like, how did you come to that? Um, I think there's probably multiple factors, but one key experience was while I was working at this agency, I was also freelancing for an old journalist contact of mine from like back when I was heading up PR in my corporate days. And I was, um, she had launched this feminist travel publication. It was such a cool mission. It was all about like one, giving women in the travel industry more of a voice and also centering more women's stories as opposed because it's, it's a, like, like most industries, it's another male, male dominated industry. And they only could afford to hire me like five hours a month. So I didn't really have much time. Meanwhile, I was working, you know, I think it was three days a week at this agency. And because I felt so aligned with the mission and there wasn't the same pressure I ended like I exceeded my own expectations. I got them into the New York Times like the second month that I was working with them and Forbes and all of this stuff. And it was like that was kind of a light bulb moment for me to be like, okay, when I care about something, when it's aligned, when it lights me up and I'm like, this is so important, that comes through and less, less work equals like better results. Meanwhile, at this agency, I'm like, you know, I'm putting in the hours, there's the hustle is there, the grind is there but the results are not the same. And it was really like a stark contrast to be like, okay, more hours doesn't equal more results. More hustle doesn't equal more results. Yes. Because I, I think also for me, I felt like, yeah, when you send so many emails out and you've just put so much work in, but your pay doesn't necessarily reflect that. Right. And there's like a feeling that for me, certainly anyway, um, I felt like I had to work so hard. You know, that's that kind of scarcity mindset, which I've worked so hard on to, to release and overcome. And I felt like I've got to be working so hard to make this money. And then, and then having those experiences where you haven't worked as hard and you're like, huh, <laughs> wow, this is actually a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think hustle culture like tells us that if something comes easily, then it's not as good or that's somehow bad or like we're cheating. Like it, it's like, we're not allowed, things are not allowed to be easy. Like it's like, we have to earn it. We have to grind. We have to suffer. And then we'll invite it in. And I think like to bring it to like limiting beliefs and stuff, I think that's a big limiting belief for a lot of people and myself included that like, it has to be hard. I have to earn it. I have to suffer in order to receive abundance or money or recognition or whatever it is. And it's like, we have to decondition that. That's just hustle culture. Because if you look at like a lot of really wealthy people, they're not necessarily hustling. Like maybe there was a time in their lives that they did. I don't want to like discount like anyone's hard work, but this idea that hard work equals success or equals abundance is not true because there's a lot of people in low income households who work much harder than people who are wealthier than them and you know what I mean so it's, it's that's proof that it's, it doesn't equate we need to decondition that yeah 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 hustle culture decondition recondition ourselves to <laughs> yeah. anti-hustle culture yes. Yeah. yes yeah thank you for sharing that 
how can someone get started in, and I know that there's, you know, a lot to it, but in your opinion, if you had to kind of um, break it down into a couple of steps just to get started, what would you tell them? I think the first step is to kind of be established in terms of what you're offering because that's really, if you're still like figuring that out, wait, because you don't want to create more confusion around what your brand is all about. So once you're established, you have a clear offering. It doesn't, doesn't mean you necessarily have to have like years of, of experience behind you. Um, as long as you have a clear set offering and you know why it's valuable, like the unique selling points and stuff like that, then you're kind of ready for PR, I would say. Um, then the first step is to get clear in your messaging. And I think it's something that a lot of people will skip or undermine the importance, but it really is such a crucial step. And even when I was working in-house, like that was something we invested like thousands of pounds into to, um, to get the messaging right. And it was a constant, constant focus. So taking the time to figure out, okay, what do I want to be known for? What is my mission? You know, who do I serve? What are my core beliefs? What are my areas of expertise? So you're really like clear on that and you can be intentional with the outreach that you do and with the publications that you're featured in the podcast. So it all kind of aligns with this bigger reputation, essentially that you're building, but really more, I mean, I feel like reputation is, is more of a corporate term, but it, it's, a, it's aligned with how you, how you want people to see you because essentially implementing PR is you taking ownership of like your story and how you want people to see you and what you want to showcase and things like that. So doing the messaging first and then focusing on what, who your target audience is. You can build, um, a list of the publications of the podcasts, maybe even of like the Instagram accounts that you want to do lives on where your audience, like people that your audience, people in places that your audience trusts and also places that they consume or read. So it's, it's kind of both, both parts. So it's both having the opportunity to get that exposure and reach an audience, but equally there may be someone who, doesn't read Cosmopolitan, but a lot of us know what that is. So even if I don't read your, the article that you were featured in, if, you, if it says on your website, oh, as seen in Cosmopolitan, I'm instantly going to trust you. So it's like tapping into what your audience would, um, would be interested in. And that's kind of how it builds. And then from there, you begin to take action and building newsworthy stories and um, landing features and landing podcast opportunities and things like that. Yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you for sharing that. No, my pleasure. I saw on your Instagram recently, uh, you were talking about how you are feeling a bit kind of jaded by the coaching industry. And I really related to this, uh, which is why I want to go into it a little bit about how there are lots of business owners, uh, coaches sharing kind of, um, like a one hit wonder formula for, mm -hmm income goals or business goals and kind of not really sharing the full journey and story that goes into that. And it's something that I've been seeing a lot too. And when I was starting out with my business, I definitely, I don't want to say like fell for these things, but I, I felt like I wanted to buy into these strategies because it was promising something that seemed, you know, so desirable. But now I realize that 
it, there's never a one hit formula for, mm-hmm. for anyone because everyone's different. And so, yeah, I just think it's really important to talk more about. Can you share a little bit more about your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think it's like, I was the same when I just started my business. Like you're so insecure and you feel so kind of lost and you're just like looking for that magic pill. And it's such a, it's so desirable, which is why it works, right? You're like, this is going to solve all my problems. And it's like, that kind of sounds too good to be true. And it probably is. (laughs) And that's not to say that like, I mean, coaching is so valuable and business coaching is valuable and all other forms of coaching and any kind of support you can bring in, it's valuable, but it's this idea of like putting it on a pedestal that it will be the one thing. And I think that's what I just, am. I'm not, um, it's not resonating with me anymore. Um, because it's frustrating me, like the more I get into my own entrepreneurial journey, because there's so much that happens behind the scenes that we don't address. And I don't think that people necessarily have to like, you know, share and dump all their feelings on Instagram, but it's just, it's, it, it, for me, it just was feeling a little bit out of integrity, this idea that like, Oh, you know, two years ago, I had a $0 launch fast forward to two years later. And I had making millions and you're like, okay, well, okay. Something like, yeah. Okay. Inspiring. But like, tell me more about that time when it was really hard because there's enough distance now, you know, cause I can understand that if you're in it, it's a little bit like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to bring people into a process that's happening right now too much because I think you should protect your, your mental health and your privacy and stuff like that. But when you have had the experience that kind of messy middle or the really hard part is really what I think holds the most value and is what probably laid the foundation for the growth. Um, and the more I'm on my own entrepreneurial journey, the more I realize like it really is the biggest personal development and spiritual journey you can go on. It brings up all of your stuff. If you've been in therapy and you think that you have all your traumas resolved, you come into entrepreneurship and you'll realize that everything gets triggered. All of this like shadowy stuff, all of your insecurities and limiting beliefs, all of that comes up. And so much of entrepreneurship is building emotional resilience. And that's something I don't feel like we discuss enough. And that's why it's so healthy and important, I think, to address it. And also when you are working with a coach for someone who can hold space for that and acknowledge that you're not like nothing is wrong. Like if you're doubting yourself, it's scary. It's uncomfortable. You want to like give up. (laughs) You want to just like go and cry on the bathroom floor. Like that doesn't mean you're not a good entrepreneur. That doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It actually means you're stretching yourself and you're daring to go outside of your comfort zone and you're daring to go into uncharted waters. And that's something I have to keep reminding myself of. Um, and it's something that also comes up with my clients and, and allowing themselves to be seen. Like that's this piece that I think I never really acknowledged when I was working as a PR person in an agency and in a business, because, you know, I was behind the scenes. Like I was not to be seen anywhere. My name was nowhere. My face was nowhere. And then when I started doing PR for myself, I was like, holy shit, this is actually kind of, (laughs) it's like intimidating. It's kind of scary to like be seen, you know, in this way. Um, And I think that's allowed me also to to kind of hold space for that with my clients and really acknowledge that there, there is this kind of integration that needs to happen of you allowing yourself to be seen. And that's why I think that alignment piece and making sure that your messaging is in integrity and staying in integrity is so important because then you know that if you show up and you're seen and you share a point of view, you can stand your ground in knowing that this is what's true for you. And even if there's someone who disagrees, which inevitably someone will, and I think it's important that we have discourse, right? which is why I think we need more conscious entrepreneurs contributing to the, to the global discussion. Um, 
that kind of helps you like deal with any, um, anything that comes up as a result of like allowing yourself to be seen because you're like, no, but I know that I really believe this. And here is like the reasons why, and I can stand behind that. Um, and that's actually really healing as well, I think. Um, and it's just bringing, bringing it back to that integrity and heart centered approach that I really believe we all deserve to be seen as our authentic selves. And the more we can do that, the more we give other people permission to, and to also show people that you don't have to like business doesn't have to look a certain way. And I think that's what I feel like has started to happen with the coaching space. It's like, even though it was initially a shift, it's all started to look a certain way. And I felt like I had to be a certain way and be talking about how much money I was making and stuff. And I was like, but that's, that's part of it, but that's not why I'm, I'm running my own business. It's for freedom and it's to do something meaningful. And like, yes, money is part of that. Um, but it was, yeah, I was feeling like I wasn't measuring up and that's when I kind of had to come back, take a step back and really like take a step back from social media as well to like realign with that integrity. Um, and when I shared that post as well, like a lot of people, it resonated with a lot of people. And so I'm really glad I did because a part of me was a little bit scared, you know, to like have an opinion (laughs) and call something out, but it just goes to show that if it really feels true for you, it's going to resonate with someone else. Yeah. And it's in alignment with you. So you, you're confident and you're just owning it. And yeah, I think money is such a big one because yeah, without, without money, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. We wouldn't be able to help people, hold space for people, serve ourselves as well as others. But money as like a a marketing tool, you know, when you see over Instagram, yeah, this I don't know, 200,000 pound launch, or I made this much this month. It's really desirable because people need money, want Mm -hmm. money, but then you also have that comparison thing and you kind of um, need to then just come back to what your purpose is, exactly what you just said, what's in alignment with you, what am I doing this for? Because yeah, so there's so much more to it. And I guess I just use money as an example because it is, it is all over the kind of industry and it is, it is what sells, but yeah. Um, it's just, it's just interesting to watch and. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it's just interesting to watch. And I think it's just important to have that conversation because I think there is prob- there is a way of doing it. Like I follow some coaches that share about their income, but they do it in a way that for me anyway, feels more in integrity, you know, like sharing that, like, you know, when they made a ton of money in one day that they like had a nervous breakdown because they were like, Oh my God, this is like, I don't know if I can hold this. You know, they, they had all these like things come up about them feeling like they weren't good enough. Mm. Um, and it's like, okay, I haven't made as much money as they have in one day yet. <laughs> and maybe when that, you know, when that one day happens, I'll feel the same. And so there was an element of like, um, what, what are you complaining about? But at the same time, I'm like, oh, but I also appreciate the fact that you were like, I wasn't just like popping champagne. I was like actually freaking out. <laughs> and that was kind of refreshing, I think. So it's like, there's a way of doing it. Yeah. Um, because I think it is also important to continue talking about, to like to share an income and to share wealth and make sure that we're all like getting what we deserve to, especially as women, because I think, you know, we've all been conditioned to accept less and stuff like that. Um, and a big part of my core belief is like, I don't think doing good and being successful is like mutually exclusive. I think actually if you marry the two, you can be really successful, um, because it has that sustainability and has that integrity and people will like pay for that. Um, so it's also kind of like 
working on that belief because as, as a yoga teacher and having a lot of yoga teacher friends and stuff, like there's definitely, and even when I first started teaching, you're just like so grateful to teach. You're like, Oh, I'll do it for free. And it's like, no, you're, you're holding space. You're like, you know, giving people a lot of your energy. Like you deserve to be paid for that as well. But there's this idea that if you accept money for it, then it's, it's like less pure or like whatever. And it's like, no, like accepting money is not a bad thing either. So that's why it's like, it's a nuanced conversation. Um, but I'm glad that we were able to like address it at least a little bit, probably just the tip of the iceberg, but I think it's, it's an important thing to, to discuss. You also mentioned about having resilience. And I think that's such a big one, especially with PR, because like you said, when you sent out 200 emails and then no one replied, so how do you, how have you managed that and how do you help others just manage that resilience? And it's kind of like, um, you know, you're, you, you might feel like you're being rejected, but actually it's, it's not that, but yeah, mm-hmm. I just want to get your thoughts on that. That's a really good question. It's, it's, I mean, it's kind of like an ongoing practice. I think more than anything, it's like continuing to come back to that, the purpose behind why you're putting yourself out there and not taking it, not taking it personally. Like I always remind people that journalists receive like hundreds and sometimes thousands of emails a day, which is why part of like pitching strategy is, you know, have a good subject line. And like, there's, there's all these like strategic things you can pull in on, but timing is a key part too. So it's just like not letting that discourage you. Um, and finding, and again, finding a way where you will, like, you can continue trying and trust and just trusting that the right person will, will figure it out and, and really connecting to an into into your intuition too. Like thinking about them as human, like if you were in their position, how would you want to be spoken to and experimenting with that? Um, and you know, whether that's exploring, connecting with them on social media instead, some journalists are open to that. Some aren't, <laughs> you'll find that out. Um, but I think it's really just like trusting and you keep going. And then all, all, we always like go back and also look at the story that they're pitching and see like, okay, is there something we can, you know, can we come up with a different angle? So it's like kind of the both, both parts, but it's really like separating your worth from, from the result, which I think is also, I mean, kind of <laughs> goes back to what we were talking about with hustle culture, which is very much like your results is your worth or your output is your worth. And it's like, no, you are worthy as you are and like trust that and then it's really just a matter of like certain things falling into place like timing the right story at the right time the right journalist and trusting that eventually it's going to work yeah. like I've never not seen it work so like that's you know that's enough proof and even as someone who's worked in the industry for 10 years when I'm hired which I you know have done sometimes like ad hoc it's been yeah it's been a little while since I've had someone um ask me to do PR for them but even when I am asked to do that, I still have a moment of like, but can I do it? <laughs> because, because it's not like an A plus B equals C. It's like, it's very intuitive. Like you use the best practice and then you use your intuition to kind of find a way to get the journalist's attention. And so I will even some, you know, I'll, I'll even second guess myself and I have to remind myself, okay, you've done this, you've been doing this for 10 years. Like, I'm sure you can figure it out. You know, it's always worked, but it's just to like, I share that just to be like, so yeah, to make, I guess, listeners aware as well that you feeling that way is totally normal and everyone in the PR industry feels that way. The, the way that I'm sure a lot of business, you know, business owners also feel with like launching, even though they've launched successfully a million times, when they're launching again, they're like, what if, but what if this one fails? It's always going to be there. And that doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It's just, it's just your brain. It's just your brain. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess it's so like based on so many different things, like so many different factors. And yeah, I mean, it, it totally goes with the whole, there's no one formula. Like you, you have 10 years experience, you know what you're doing, you know, to some extent the formula that works for you but then there's so many other factors that come into place so yeah I think that's really good advice just to remind yourself yeah you're enough and then you are. you're playing the long game as well yeah. it's like a long-term strategy which I think I mean it's not as sexy as these like overnight success <laughs> marketing posts that we see in the industry but it, it does build you know like I recently like a couple months ago had someone reach out to me from an article that I wrote two years ago that I, you know, it was like, oh, I found, I, I read this piece and I was like, wow, like that's just proof right there. Like someone random who found that article, found my website, found my email, you know, that it really like, you, you don't know how it's going to work out the same way that when you post a billboard, you can't like measure necessarily like how many people are going to come and when they're going to come, but it does work, which is why big brands invest so much money in PR. You know, I think like uh, Bill Gates has a famous quote that's like, if he was down to his last dollar, he would spend it on PR because it's just, it's your reputation. It's like what you're known for. It's your, you know, it's a relationship with your audience. It's just so valuable. Um, so yeah, trusting that like the long game, that it's sustainable, slow growth is still growth. Yeah. The ultimate anti-hustle. Yeah. 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 What's the rush? We have like so many years on this planet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. And the more people, I guess it's, you know, the same with marketing and advertising like it's gonna take someone what is it like seven times to remember your brand and PR is is part of that so the more mm -hmm. yeah the more you're seen and sharing then it's only going to get better right yeah yeah it's going to compound it's going to compound over time like the more visible you are like it's 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 yeah it's just like inevitable that more people will will know who you are yeah. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to share? Um, in terms of what we've been discussing, I'm, hmm, I'm trying to think. I like Disney's PR messages. I mean, I could talk about like so many of this, so many of these things for like for forever. Yeah. Um, but I think we've, we've talked about a lot of it. Um, I think the other piece is well no I think we've talked about it actually was like the not forcing piece which I think is a big big that's actually something that I'm really experimenting I'm really committed to experimenting with this year to really finding the drawing the line between like taking action but not from a place of forcing because there's there's so much deconditioning to be done there because when I'm not taking action I feel so guilty and there's all the shame that comes up and it's just reminding myself of all those times when less equaled more and also, I think a lot of us have had the experience that usually money, opportunities, new clients, inspiration, ideas, it usually doesn't happen when you're sitting in front of your laptop. It usually happens when you're out somewhere. Um, and I recently actually listened to another podcast about this, the Ezra Klein Show, the New York Times podcast. Um, and I, oh, forgive me, I don't remember who, what the name of the person he was interviewing, but um, she was someone who studied the brain. And they talked about how the way we work nowadays, which is like sitting in front of a computer for like eight hours, nine hours a day, really doesn't work with the brain. Like the brain functions much better with movement, with like going and talking to someone, like they called it like looping. I just found that really interesting that like literally hustle culture 
it just, it's not even science backed. Like it's not productive. It's just this culture that has been created that we just see as the Holy grail. And so it's like, it's so cool to see these discussions starting to happen. And so I think it's also just remembering that, that, yeah, like it's, you know, you're not doing anything wrong. You're not less than the brain. Literally, if you want to go for a walk outside, like that, that's, that's what your brain needs. And like trusting that, trusting your body signals. Yeah. Trust, surrender and trust. I really, yeah, I really resonate with that. And it's something that I'm experimenting with a lot and it's, I think what's, what's tricky is because it is part of this deconditioning from, you know, working full time hustle culture. And I have evidence that when I take breaks and go outside, I still have opportunities coming to me and things are are working, but yet sometimes if it's like, I don't know, I'm having a, like a wobbly day and then I'm getting inside my head and I just have to remind myself and it's kind of being aware that this voice is coming. The ego in my head is like, no, you have to sit at this desk. You have to sit at this computer and, and do whatever you're doing. No, I don't like things are still happening. And it's just, for me, it's trying to catch that voice and, you know, before it just overwhelms me into hustling again um so yeah I love that you shared that yeah yeah I think it's such a good point like getting out of your head is usually never a bad idea (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah thank you so much my pleasure it's so nice to be on So that's it for today's episode and I got so carried away with our conversation that I completely forgot to ask Maria where you all can find her. So I'm going to pop all of her links in the show notes below and she has a signature program called Reach Millions which is a long-term one-to-one PR coaching partnership empowering conscious entrepreneurs to step into thought leadership and land press so they can make a bigger impact and sustainably scale their business with integrity. So that's her one-to-one long-term signature program. And then she also has two new ways of working with her. So I'll pop everything in the show notes below. Have a look and get in touch with Maria if you have any questions. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I would love to hear from you as always. Hope you have a good rest of your day and I will see you next week.